0: Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy Podcast, where we challenge you to think differently about your approach to health and wellness. My name is Heather Duranja, and I'm excited to be here with you to take you on the journey from surviving to thriving. Hey, everybody. On today's show of Think Yourself Healthy Podcast, we have a very special guest, Sarah Korjnevsky. Did I do that right? Yep. Yep. All right. So Sarah is a registered dietitian and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She specializes in helping women get to the root of their hormones and digestive imbalances. After not finding answers in conventional medicine of her own hormone and digestive symptoms, she created the Organic Dietitian. Now she and her team help other busy women investigate their own top health complaints and find health freedom naturally. What a beautiful mission. I absolutely love it and feel so aligned with it. So um, we're both registered dietitians. So historically, we didn't really have a lot of uh, training when it comes to I guess like, how do I say this? We didn't really, in our pre, like in our education, we learned about digestion, we learned about hormones, but we didn't really, we weren't really taught necessarily that these were the root of a lot of problems that were being misdiagnosed um, and mis- mistreated, correct?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people always think of us as like the food people. yeah <laughs> you know, hey, you're just gonna put me on a diet, right? You know, that kind of thing. Yes, but I think people don't really realize all that we do have to learn about the human body. I mean, the human body is so complex. I mean, we still don't even know everything about it, right? Um, so it takes a lot of kind of science background to really understand all these processes. But yeah, at the end of the day, we don't really learn just like conventional doctors don't really learn how to address the root causes, you know, of people's symptoms or health issues. You know, we kind of don't necessarily learn the root causes, you know, either. Right.
0: So I'm curious what got, like, how did you discover this passion and literally make your whole life practice
1: about hormones and digestive health yeah so gosh many years ago probably like eight or so years now actually my sister you know I always thought I was the healthiest person I knew right you know oh I'm a dietitian. I know everything I eat well and all that But I was still eating really ultimately a lot of processed foods. You know, I was trying to buy like fat-free things and, you know, hey, Splenda was like a daily thing, you know, all of those things. Um, And my sister actually turned me on to a food blogger who was basically promoting real food. Okay. You know, and she was just like, okay, processed food, chemicals, let's just try to eat more natural things, like all that. And i was like wow like how did i not really know this right. this like i didn't even need to know research i'm like this just makes sense right. and so i actually just the first thing i ever started to do was eat more real food okay you know i cut out the artificial sweeteners and the low fat stuff i was like no fat is good give me the good fat you know and So that was really where I started and I started to then learn more about like organic foods versus conventional foods and that's really kind of where the organic dietitian was born was just learning a little bit more about the food piece but then the more that I started to learn about it and then the more kind of people that I started to follow online and more kind of research that I was looking at I then started to realize like symptom wise Mm -hmm. I was like hmm I think I have symptoms. Mm -hmm. Like I never really kind of put two and two together, you know, like I would eat and I would get bloated and I was like, oh, I'm just digesting, you know, like stuff like that. Right. Um, I was actually on birth control for a long time. So I, even if I had period problems, I probably didn't know it, right? Cause it just was masking it. But I ultimately went on birth control for a lot of acne. Mm-hmm. And so of course, really that was a symptom. Right. And like, I just was like, oh, I'm just going through, I'm a, you know, teenager, or I'm young, I'm going through, you know, changes. all that stuff. So kind of like brushed it all off.
2: Yeah.
1: But the more that I started to learn, the more I was like, these are, I think, are symptoms mm-hmm. of something else. Okay. I want to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. And so started, I went to like my regular doctor who was no help. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually ended up finding that I had a fibroid and I didn't even realize I did. Um, and basically at that point I was like, well, I want to get off birth control. And she didn't support me at all in that decision. She actually kind of made me feel like I was stupid for wanting to go off of it and kind of looked at me. I always say like, I was an alien. (laughs) Like, why would you want to do that? Um, and was like, Oh, but research shows that, you know, birth control is the, the, the solution for fibroids. And I was like, well, that makes no sense because I've been on, birth control now for like 15 plus years. And I still developed a fibroid, you know? And so I was like, no, I want to go off of this. So I kind of fired her essentially. And then I tried to find more natural people. I went to a little bit more of a holistic practitioner who, yeah, she didn't like tell me I needed to stay on birth control or anything, but still wasn't really giving me answers. Like, I felt like she was still, like, trying to give me more Band-Aid solutions and things. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a naturopath. This is going to be it. This is going to be my answer. Naturopaths, they all they do is, like, root cause stuff. And some of them do. I don't want to knock them. Um, but basically, like, I ended up going there saying, hey, no, I want you to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, why am I asking you? To do things for me when you, I'm going to you because you're supposed to be the expert in this. And so like, I still just felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere. So I was like, all right, forget it. So luckily at the time, just being in the health space already and having kind of the dietetics degree, I started to look at more functional programs Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to do this myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's when I found the FDN program, um, which is the functional diagnostic nutrition program. And I had, you know, known some people that had went through the program and really liked it. And they, you know, were looking a little bit more at like labs and like understanding again, more like root cause things. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I went through that and it was like, that just changed my life. Cause I then started to do more functional tests and started to like, I finally did a stool test. Um, which is the GI map? That's the one that we use in our practice now with all of our clients. And figured out that I had three parasites, mm-hmm. I had a worm, mm-hmm. I had massive dysbiosis or imbalance of bacteria, you know, in the digestive tract. And so then I started to finally work on stuff like that, and actually started to see differences, you know, in how I was feeling. Um, and so dug a lot deeper. And so I've done a lot since then, you know, testing wise and not only nutrition but like the whole lifestyle thing you know working on the mind set piece healing hidden traumas and you know supporting the liver and you know switching out you know beauty and cleaning products and all that stuff so it's been a lot in kind of the eight years but that's where i finally found my answer and so i was like you know what i know a lot of women out there are struggling just like i did trying to find answers and tired of going to doctors and offering band-aid solutions or not flat out not getting answers or even basically i've had clients who basically were like i went to my car after i went to my doctor and i cried mm-hmm. because they basically made me feel stupid they made me feel like there's nothing wrong with you like this is just how it's going to be like all that. and i'm like i have to be part of that solution for them
0: yeah yeah
1: be, because yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: think, you know, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I feel it's important that we need to mention this that there's a lot of gaslighting that goes on in our traditional conventional medicine. And so when we are experiencing symptoms and we're going to the doctor desperate for some sort of solution and answer, majority of the time they just say to us, like, eh, we can't really find anything wrong, everything's within normal range. You know, this is just part of the aging process. Like, this is just what happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to call bullshit. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. We do not age that Mm -hmm. way. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not the natural process. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's important that we validate anyone who has gone to the doctor and had a legitimate complaint, something that fell off, and then they were denied Their experience and left even more confused and, you know, uh, just lost in terms of where do I go from here? I guess I'm just supposed to accept that this is my reality and fate. And for myself, um, similar to you, my functional um, journey started in 2011. And so back in this time, um, all of my colleagues and friends and mentors, when I started changing my approach, they started looking at me like I was fucking crazy. What do you mean you're telling people to eat fat? Are you kidding me? Like, what do you mean talking about Splenda in a non-favorable way, you know, and I start and I... I was scared. It was really frightening because I was so passionate from what I had experienced personally. I couldn't remain quiet anymore. I had to speak up. And so it's really exciting to meet other dietitians like you, whom have been on a similar journey and have faced a lot of What's just not being embraced by Mm -hmm. our profession you know Mm -hmm. um and really having the courage to step out there and say i'm gonna go ahead and go with my intuition on this and my intuition says something's missing so for me specifically in 2011 i um was going through a master's program had finished i was going no actually 2011 i was finishing up internship I was doing a full-time master's program, single mom, working full-time as well as bartending nights and weekends. I was spread super thin and I ended up getting diagnosed with cervical cancer. And so when I got this diagnosis, I was infuriated. I was like, what do you mean I have cancer? Like, I've got the nutrition down. I have the exercise down. How can this happen to me? I was almost embarrassed, right? Like, I don't know what to do with this. So that really got me thinking, something's missing. There's a missing piece to this. And that's when I really started diving into research around gut health, caffeine, sleep, stress management, mindset, you know, neuropathways, and understanding how all of these things are intercorrelated, how they work, and how they either you know, put us in a position where we're fighting disease or we're embracing disease. And it was a life changing, life changing, a professional changing moment for me because I knew then I had, I had to, like, it was my responsibility to inform others of how we can start getting to the root problem. Another thing I do want to mention quickly to kind of piggyback up something you said earlier when you were talking about being frustrated that you were having to ask the doctor questions, I think it's important as practitioners that we encourage everyone to be their own advocate and not be scared of asking the doctor questions. I think there's intimidation and we don't ask intuitively the questions our body is telling us we need to ask. So I just wanted to follow up on that and encourage everyone um, to know that it's their responsibility to become their own healthcare advocate and not be fearful of asking questions and seeking answers if it doesn't feel right.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, it's, it's always, people always come to me and they kind of are like, well, who do I go to? I'm listening? I mean, yeah, know that, you know, in most cases, right? I know insurance and stuff like that can sometimes be limiting, but you know, you do have a choice as to who you go to. And so, if one person isn't really giving you the answers, then you know there are other people out there. And then, obviously, when those resources maybe run out, there's people like us, right, that are out there that can support people in in a lot of ways. But like I always say, yeah, you definitely want to try to ask questions and say, hey, what about this? Or can you do this? And, you know, obviously if they don't listen, that's when you need to, you know, find a different avenue because there are unfortunately doctors out there who just won't even acknowledge a lot of that stuff. But if you have to ask for things and your doctor is then like, okay, well, let's do it. Like we also want to make sure that they understand why. Like why you're asking and they understand, like, especially if it's a lab test, like how to interpret because it's like sometimes I say if you have to ask them for something, what are the chances that they even know what to do if something comes back not looking right? So it's like there is kind of that fine balance a little bit.
2: My, you know,
1: cause otherwise I do, I have a lot of people who come to me and said, well, I, I ran a GI map or I did this, but then I feel like my doctor didn't know what to do with the results. And so it's like, well, now you wasted all this money, right. you know, without really getting a solution because it's like, it's at the end of the day, it's not just about tests, right. you know, it's, I mean, gosh, I've run hundreds of a lot of these tests. And so it's like, there is a, you know, interpretation know and clinical experience and all that that comes along with it too so um you know the point being is just to know have women know that there are solutions out there there are answers out there there are people that know how to help you know and so it's it's asking those people the questions and if they don't seem to know the answers or if you're basically guiding them every step of the way then maybe it is time to find someone who you can sit down and talk to and and they can kind of tell you exactly what they want to do and why they want to do it. And then you can feel comfortable knowing, okay, well, that makes sense. I feel like I have a clear plan, you know, all of that. Um, but also too, like you said in the beginning, um, you know, when you got diagnosed, but I eat well and I exercise, you know, and we also want people to know that health goes so much deeper than that, you know, because I get that a lot too. I eat while I exercise, but I still have these five well- to 10 symptoms exactly
0: and that's and that's why i named this podcast think yourself healthy because we truly do have to change the approach we take when it comes to our overall health and well-being and we put so much value in nutrition and exercise when it comes to you know preserving and reversing our health situation But we forget to address the core foundational pieces that allow the nutrition and the exercise to be optimized, right? Mm -hmm. And so, no matter what, if you you know it doesn't matter how well you eat, if you're having um, really poor stress management and you're constantly releasing cortisol into the bloodstream, your body is never going to be in a rest and digest favorable Mm -hmm. place. Therefore, over time, you are going to start um, developing significant digestive symptoms and distress, and you're never going to be able to get to the bottom of it because you keep putting all these healthy foods and supplements in, and they're not correcting the symptoms. And it's because it's starting here in the mind. And so, um, so yeah, this is obviously a very, very passionate um, topic for me. Back, uh, you know, in 2011 is when my functional um, approach started, and I am so grateful for having that intersection. You know, if it weren't for being diagnosed with the cervical cancer, I would have never understood how having an autoimmune disease allowed for my immune system to be compromised and for something like HPV virus to be in a position where it was more favorable to turn into cancer
2: mm-hmm. and
0: how lack of sleep, poor digestive health, stress management, um, inflammation, all of that played a role in allowing that to cultivate and get to that point. Yeah. So, so with all that being said, I have some really, um, big topics that I wanna discuss with you because personally, I feel this is an area that we really need to do a lot of education in order to support females moving forward. So a couple things, I I wanna talk about estrogen dominance and I also wanna talk about birth control. These two things and how birth control and estrogen dominance are related and
2: and Mm -hmm. that.
0: Because, I I mean, we see that on average, I think that 10 or 11 is the age that girls start getting prescribed birth control pill and taking that as the norm for having cramps, for having acne, for, you know... um, usually it's cramps and acne, I feel like are the two biggest reasons that birth control gets uh, prescribed. But I'm going to let you take this over and kind of talk to us about estrogen dominance. And then we can go into um, the birth control stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, I definitely I've got clients who are like, pretty much as soon as I started my period, they put me on birth control. And it's like, well, as soon as you start your period, it's not necessarily going to be perfect right off the bat, no matter what, (laughs) right? You kind of, it can take sometimes a year Mm -hmm. to kind of regulate your cycle once you first get it. And if then that's not happening, then yeah, let's maybe try to look at some more natural approaches instead of just throwing people on birth control. I know that was the case for me. I was, you know, gosh, I remember when I first got my period, I remember having super huge clots. I mean, they were massive. I remember one time laying like, you know, curled up in a ball on the floor because like period cramps are so bad, you know? Um, well, but anyway, so... I- I was the girl who had to
0: get picked up from school because I was literally lying in the stall in the bathroom of school, doubled over in so much pain. And I have to mention, I am fortunate because I did suffer significantly from symptoms with um, my period. Luckily, I never did have to deal with the like the cystic acne or any of those things, but the cramping and the clotting and the heavy periods, irregularity, all of those were real. But my mom was super religious. And so birth control went against my mother's religious beliefs. So fortunately for me, I didn't start taking birth control until after the birth of my first child. And that was a very short-lived experience. So I've been very fortunate where birth control did not consume a, a large part of my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I wish I could say the same, but, um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I remember my mom actually had to come to the school twice Mm -hmm. to bring me new pants because I had bled through my pants. Yeah. That super embarrassing. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I actually eventually kind of that did regulate a little bit. Like I don't remember having a lot of the clots and a lot of the really um, heaviness and the pain for long But gosh, that was many years ago, Um, might have blocked it out. But um, really, it was the acne that was a big thing for me. And that's kind of what drove me to do the birth control. Mm -hmm. And it actually somewhat helped. Now, I actually had acne on not only on my face, but all on my back. which is the worst because it's like, say, no bathing suits, no tank tops, like none of that stuff. Shopping for like a prom dress is very challenging when you're trying to cover up your back. Um, But so went on the birth control and it did clear up my back, but my skin still wasn't like, I thought it was going to be perfect. I thought I was going to have the clearest skin ever. It was going to be great, you know, whatever. And that really wasn't the case. Um, it's still, I still definitely had, had breakouts. It was a little better, but not quite as bad. But anyway, so yeah, going on, being on birth control for many, many years and then ending up, like I said, developing a fibroid. Um, and so kind of looking into that, oftentimes fibroids are contributed because of estrogen dominance right? And this can be a case where either estrogen is elevated and progesterone is normal, or it can be a case where estrogen is actually normal, but your progesterone is low. So even in cases like PCOS, oftentimes we see low progesterone, like we don't see people ovulate and things like that. You know, there can be estrogen dominance occurring. We always say estrogen dominance is probably one of the top hormonal imbalances that women are experiencing and it's growing, Right, You know, it's becoming worse and worse. And a lot of women don't really understand what estrogen dominance is or don't really know if they have it. And typically if you are, if you've got, maybe even if you have PCOS, um, if you've got heavier periods, more cramps, um, if you've got, you know, cystic acne or more acne, you know, PMS type symptoms, things like that, then chances are you've got some estrogen dominance going on. Um, now My doctor obviously told me that, oh, well, birth control is the solution in research for fibroids. And again, that didn't make sense to me. So the more I learned about hormones and hormone pathways and how we make hormones and how we process them and how we detox them and all that, the more I realized that birth control was really actually the fuel to the fire.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because essentially most birth control, you're giving yourself a steady stream of estrogen throughout the month. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, hormones are really important. People always kind of say, oh my gosh, my hormones stink because I've got all these symptoms. But when they're in balance, they actually do amazing things. They help clear up your skin. They help you sleep. They help give you better moods. Right. They protect your bones, your heart, your brain, like all these things. Um but when they're, yeah, out of whack, they can contribute to a lot of symptoms. And so ultimately, it's, again, figuring out if they are out of whack, why are they out of whack? Because hormones don't get thrown off for no reason. Right. So there can be a lot of different factors. There's usually more than one root cause. Um, but for me, like I was not good at detoxing hormones. Mm-hmm. That's I was struggling with that. Okay. And so now I turn my own hormones off, mm-hmm. and give myself a steady stream of synthetic hormones all month long. My body couldn't get rid of all of that,
2: right.
1: like it was having trouble eliminating it. Um, and you know, essentially, when we look at like at testing and things like that, there are three different phases of estrogen detoxification, right? And so you can have an issue with one, two, or three of them. Mm-hmm and I actually did two out of the three, uh, were messed up for me. Okay. So, you know, giving myself estrogen every day for 15 plus years, it actually created more of an estrogen dominance problem because my body couldn't get rid of all that extra hormone. And so when it can't do that, it can recirculate, reactivate, and now you have, you know, higher amounts. Right. So, you know, we say a lot of, and this is where it's, it's, it's frustrating because a lot of practitioners will say, here's birth control because it's going to fix things. It's going to balance things. And I'm like, that's a flat out lie. And any doctor that will tell you that I feel like doesn't truly understand hormones. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I've had clients tell me this before, like, Oh, I went to my endocrinologist and it, it boggled my mind how little they actually understood about hormones. I have to share this,
0: (laughs) because as a practitioner, I think that you will find this relatable in terms of the frustration that I experienced. This was just recently, um, I had a female who had some blood work done and labs came back. Her TSH was 15.3. Her um, free T4 was a point. 7.1 Seven, one, and her free T3 was like a 0.68. Yeah. And so I had encouraged her that she needed to go see an endocrinologist and that she needed to have her medication evaluated and they, need to do, they needed to do some additional lab testing. I was very curious about her reverse T3 so anyway, um, I made these recommendations. She goes to her doctor, and so the doctor tells her, your, your thyroid's fine. There's nothing wrong with your thyroid. It's, it's functioning normal. So she comes back to me, and basically she says to me, I, don't, I, I can't trust you and I'm like, what? (laughs) I went to the doctor and they told me everything is fine and that I don't need to be concerned. My thyroid's working just fine. My medication doesn't need to be evaluated, blah, blah, blah. I was infuriated, like absolutely 100% infuriated. So I requested that the doctor, myself and her have a conference call so that we could discuss this and be able to come up with a solution from a multidisciplinary approach that everyone felt really good about. So during this, during this conference, this doctor says to me, you do not have the authority to speak to labs. And right in that moment, I recognized this doctor has no clue what dietitians do. He is completely... Yeah has no idea what i even do Mm -hmm. and then he got really frustrated and ended up hanging up the phone on me which i was like fine whatever (laughs) but anyway you know um so the reality is is that you know as a dietitian i have extensive training in reading functional diagnostic lab work from 2012 to 2015 I was a regional director that literally did diagnostic labs for the entire Midwest, and that's all I did, thousands and thousands and thousands. So when it comes to reading blood work and looking for um, self-clinical markers, like that's my jam. So yeah. it's really irritating to hear this you know, doctor mm-hmm. basically uh, destroy the confidence of this client by telling her that everything yeah. was normal so unfortunately we have to really dive in and look more at are things working optimally and not just looking for the diagnosis and treatment ranges which i think is where a lot of misconfusion or confusion happens around blood yeah,
1: definitely yeah and there's not anything wrong with blood work i mean it's really one of the the first kind of avenues that we had but it's improper interpretation you know, cause they're basically just looking in as long as the lab isn't flagging anything as high or low, right. then it's fine. But it's like, well, who did, who, what, did, what, how did the lab determine what was normal? Right. You know, they're just taking a bunch of labs of even sick people and being like, oh, it's normal. Right. You know? And it's like, well, do we want to really just feel normal or do we want to feel like our optimal selves? I don't know about you, but I want to feel my optimal self. Absolutely. I'll
0: share another little personal story with you around my own hormonal situation. So I have IgA nephropathy. It's a kidney disease. And so with this, um, chronic kidney situation over time, the marrow in my bones have been damaged. And so, um, Many years ago, I started developing symptoms of hypothyroidism and I was like, I knew things were off. And of course I went to the doctor and we went down this whole pathway, right? So ultimately I ended up finding a practitioner who understood my situation and wanted to work with me. And so I was able to get them to agree to microdosing me with armor thyroid medication and here's why. Because of my kidney disease and my marrow being damaged, I do not have the ability of making enough T4 in order to be able to convert it to T3 to have adequate supply in my body, right? Well, the reality is this all starts with, I actually lack the ability to produce ferritin appropriately Mm -hmm. in the marrow. And then ferritin is one of those precursors that converts over into T4. nobody, not one single doctor was able to come up with that root cause. Mm -hmm. I had to do all of the lab testing and, you know, connecting all of the dots myself in order to actually find out where the root cause was actually taking place. Cause I was stumped. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And so, um, ultimately after discovering that, you know, Knowing that I need to be on this micro dose of armor um, in order to stay in that optimal place, I prefer to have my TH somewhere between 1.5 and 1.8 for optimization. Mm-hmm. And it works really well for me. And um, I'm grateful to have found a practitioner who was willing to listen and honor what I felt my body needed. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another rabbit hole we can go down, right? Of women with thyroid issues and being oh misdiagnosed God. and all that stuff. But again, I always say at the end of the day, if your thyroid is off, what's the reason? Because right. ultimately for many people, medication, in, you know, like in your case, it's necessary, right? Because of underlying conditions, but it's ultimately a Band-Aid. Absolutely. You know? and, and then if we don't fix the root cause, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And then you develop either more symptoms or I have people who just need to keep increasing meds, increasing meds, increasing meds over time. And then eventually maybe even the meds stop helping them feel better. So it's like, we always got to, you know, ask, be asking the why. Right. right? And even birth control. Okay. It's known um, to affect the thyroid, right? Yeah. In a negative way. So I'm
0: glad that you mentioned birth control because I there's so much I want to talk about so I want to I'm curious um for the listener out there the mother who grew who grew up she you know just the norm was to get put on birth control right away have birth control manage her menstrual cycle through adulthood and probably is still on some form of birth control now has a daughter who is at that age, and they're having to make the decision to put on birth control or to not put on birth control. So what do you say to that mother who really doesn't know what to do because the norm was birth control? Right. What questions do they start asking? Where, Where do they, how do they start getting curious to know what's the right thing to do? I have a brief interruption to introduce today's podcast sponsor, Green Gorilla CBD, is the first USDA-certified organic hemp CBD brand whose products are all-natural, vegan, and gluten-free. Born in Malibu, California, Green Gorilla's products, ranging from balms to capsules to my favorite gummies, promote an optimally healthy and holistic lifestyle. Every product is rigorously lab tested to ensure each batch is free of common toxins and pesticides found in other CBD products. To explore the only truly clean CBD supplier, head over to ilovegreengorilla.com and use Heather 20 for 20% off your next order. Make sure to check them out.
1: Yeah. Well, I do have a couple of resources on my website of like I posted, I kind of wrote a story about like the the five things I wish I knew before going on birth control, just to like let people know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say too, are you going on it just for symptom management? Mm-hmm. You know, I, in some cases, right, of course, everyone's going to be different. Everyone needs to make the choice that's best for them, mm-hmm. you know, because I know there are some people out there who truly just have awful, awful, awful symptoms, you know, and they maybe really do need birth control to help with that. But for the general population, right, if we're just using it to manage certain symptoms, then that's, in my mind, we need to do digging to make sure that you know what the possible consequences are for being on that. Because doctors, honestly, probably don't even know what the risk factors are. Right. So not only are they not going to let you know what those are, but they don't even know them themselves. Right. You know? So for me personally, it definitely messed with my gut bacteria and that it's known to potentially do that, affect your microbiome, and your gut microbiome helps with so many different things but including, you know, helping us to make and properly detox hormones. Right. So if you're giving yourself birth control and again, you're giving yourself this steady stream of hormone, is your, you know, gut going to not be able to clear it as well. Um, It also has been shown to increase inflammation. Uh, It also has been shown to mess with thyroid hormone. Um, It can, I mean, gosh, countless women who go on it, expecting to go off of it and having periods be completely normal. Um, A lot of women either struggle to even get their periods back. I've worked with a lot of those women too, or who it comes back, but it's like, you know, just as irregular and painful and whatever, as it was before. Um, or, you know, it affects their fertility, their ability to, you know, get pregnant. It also can deplete nutrients, Mm -hmm. you know, especially things like your B vitamins and magnesium and all of these things are actually important for hormone detoxification. Right. So it's like, again, you're kind of adding fuel to that fire. And because, the reason why it can deplete nutrients is because your body needs those nutrients in order to process right. the pill basically. Right. So you're kind of, you it's like trying to fill up the gas tank of your car while it's still running. Right. You know, you can never really get that full, fully back, back together. Um, again, it can create more estrogen dominance, especially if you're having trouble detoxing. Um, which again, a lot of us are because we don't really think about those types of things. Um, I also see in practice, because I use hair tissue mineral analysis testing with clients to look at mineral status and heavy metals and things, but especially long-term birth control use can contribute to copper toxicity. Mm -hmm. And it can actually be hidden, not always obvious, um, because anything that can increase estrogen can increase copper, but also copper can increase estrogen. So it's kind of this vicious cycle, but copper toxicity Can lead to a whole host of other things. You know, I've seen thyroid issues, depression, mood issues, PMS, I mean, anger issues, ADHD. It's like the list goes on. With,
0: I I just want to mention this really quickly about copper um, toxicity. I find that a lot of naturopaths tend to over prescribe supplements to their clients and patients. And In that supplementation protocol, a lot of times there um, is the potential for having excessive amounts of copper. And then also some of the the diet recommendations are also high in copper, and that can really cause significant consequences. Um, So I always encourage everyone, you know, supplementation is not always like, it's not the go-to fix. It's it's like the the filler piece if we can't, you know, get other components to line up, but it's not it's not the go-to. I just wanted to
1: mention that. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's why I'm not a really big fan of multivitamins, because yeah. oftentimes they'll have things like copper in them or too much calcium. Right. You know, and it's like vitamins and minerals work together.
0: Well, and so <laughs> another thing, you know, when you're talking about the liver not being able to you know, detoxify. Well, what, what majority of individuals fail to realize is that in order to detoxify, we need to have vitamins, minerals, and water available in order for the chemical reactions to occur, take place, and then convert to the next form and so on. So if we're eating a Diet that is really high in refined processed foods and uh, caffeinated beverages—we aren't, we don't have the foundational pieces to support that. So we're already like, you know, working against the storm. I guess I I don't. I'm. I'm not picking the right words, but you get my point. (laughs) Like we're, you know, fighting an uphill battle um, by just lacking the nutrients. So just adding some whole foods in itself can be super beneficial.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think people forget to realize that protein, like amino acids are actually required for liver detoxification. Right. So like people trying to do juice cleanses or things like that are supporting maybe phase one, but they're missing phase two because that's where the amino acids are required.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. There are so many fads that I just wish would like, you know, <laughs> go away one day, one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to talk to you about back. I want to go back to the estrogen dominance because not only women suffer from estrogen dominance, but men do as well. And I think that that's something that isn't talked enough about. And for men, some of the symptoms can be extremely embarrassing and in challenge, like challenging for them. So they don't feel comfortable talking about it with their peers or talking about it with their spouse or partner or much less their um, medical professional. So okay. we do need to kind of normalize and make it more of you know, uh, a thing that yes, men suffer estrogen dominance um, as well as women. But let's talk about what are some of the environmental components that contribute to estrogen dominance?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, unfortunately, it's just the downside of our modern day society, but we are exposed to many more chemicals now than we ever have been. I mean, there's like over 80,000 chemicals just registered for use in the U.S. alone and the vast majority of them go untested because there are really no laws or regulation as to what they need to do in order to ensure their safety. So a lot of it is basically like, hey, did you test this? Okay, cool. It's safe. All right, great. Let's put it out there, you know, and so we don't know that that has ever truly happened. So a lot of the chemicals out there are obviously synthetic. Our bodies don't recognize them. And so they can act as endocrine disruptors. So basically acting like the key going into the lock and opening up that mechanism, just like our hormones do. And so then that can also contribute to things like estrogen dominance and hormones being out of whack. And then it can also obviously affect and overburden your liver. So now your liver is not detox those hormones well and then that can contribute to estrogen dominance you know things like that and this can be in anything from even just I mean us I always say us just sitting here breathing right now we're probably breathing in some sort of chemical Um, you know we can't avoid them a hundred percent you don't try because you're gonna stress yourself out but you know we want to try to minimize our exposure the best we can so I always say number one is to look at your water You know, because that's probably the thing you're exposing yourself to the most on a daily basis because you're drinking it, you're cooking with it, you're showering with it, you're brushing your teeth with it, washing your face with it. And just because it's coming from the tap doesn't mean it's safe, right? Yeah, there are probably water processing plants in your city, but there again, very little regulation.
0: Right, I encourage everyone, if you're curious, go to epa.gov and type in your zip code and um, print out a report that shows you what kind of toxic properties are in your tap water. It's pretty frightening um, to actually, you know, read these reports and what we are being exposed to. And, you know, I think one thing that we forget about, majority of the population is utilizing pharmaceuticals and they are urinating some of the toxins from these, you know, pharmaceutical medications into the water system, and then these things aren't being filtered out of our actual supply, and so yeah. we're taking them in, and they can be potentially um, damaging. So, I encourage everyone always check out EPA.gov and check out what your um, local water tap looks like. So, I'm a big promoter of you know filtered water using some sort of filtered system in order to uh, help remove some of those impurities.
1: Yeah. And remember all the women on birth control. So we're peeing hormones into the water and now we're drinking it. So even if we're not taking birth control directly, (laughs) like if you're drinking (laughs) tap water, you're probably getting some. Yeah. And I always say it's unfortunate (laughs) because this isn't an instance where, oh, well, I have a fridge filter. Right. You know, uh, because, you know, it's hard to say exactly what filter to get because you want to make sure you're filtering out what is specifically in your water and everyone's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, But it does take a little bit of an investment to get a really good filter, but it's probably one of the number one best things that you can do because again, of how much you're being exposed to it and how many things can be in the water. You know, not only medication residue, hormones, heavy metals, and we know there are really no, known safe levels of heavy metals, even though like regulation wise, they can allow like some parts per million of like lead and stuff. Right be in your water. Um, you know, so that is really by, by far the number one thing that people can do to help reduce kind of those toxic exposures.
0: And just a PSA announcement for anyone who is using a water filter, um, especially a a highly, um, you know, uh, like a really good, like a Berkey, let's say, um, It's important to note that you have to replenish some of the minerals by adding something like Himalayan or Celtic sea salt to the water. So just a PSA for anyone out there who is drinking filtered water and finding themselves in a state of constant thirst, like they're never really feeling like they're um, quenching that thirst. Chances are that they're missing some sodium from that water. That's actually allowing them to hydrate themselves.
1: So I just wanted to add. Yeah. yeah. Especially the reverse osmosis. Cause yeah. it's like, those are so good that they remove literally everything. 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 Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So that's kind of number one, you know, I always say, You know, doing as much organic as you can, because pesticides can also affect not only the gut, but also the hormones and the liver. But, you know, looking at environmental working groups, Dirty Dozen, at least, you know, and trying to start there if you can afford it all. Um, You know, looking at your beauty products. Focusing on what you use most often, like you're probably putting deodorant on every day. So maybe you can start by switching that, you know, trying not to get an aluminum based, you know, deodorant, Um, you know, avoiding plastic as much as possible. So, you know, getting rid of that in your kitchen, you know, getting rid of the Teflon pans and switching out for something, you know, less toxic. So, you know, unfortunately, these toxins can really be everywhere. And you could go crazy trying to switch it all right now, but picking you know, small places to start. And that's, again, why I've been on this journey for eight years. I mean, it's been eight years of swapping things out over time. Pretty much like every year at Christmas, I buy myself a new health gadget, (laughs) you know, whether it's like a Berkey or um, I did an air filter one year for Christmas, you know, so I've done it over time. But start with the things that you expose yourself to maybe the most often. And this is all
0: really self-care right? It's truly self-care, valuing what you're putting into your body and what you're exposing to your body. And self-care tends to be like this really trendy thing right now. And I think a lot of people think it means you got to go get pedicures and a massage and, you know, girls night out. But (laughs) self-care can be something as easily as just swapping out products that are going to be more health friendly for your overall well being. I just mentioned that.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, a lot of these chemicals, because again, we can't really rely on the companies or the government to make sure that these things are safe. Right. So we in that way. And, you know, because again, there's a lot of greenwashing and stuff that happens where basically they it's a lot of marketing jargon of like, oh, this is great and this is great. And and then when you really look at the ingredients, it's actually really full of crappy stuff because there are no real regulations on this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, really having to kind of be that good consumer and look at, you know, and educate yourself on that type of stuff.
0: I know we don't have a ton of, <laughs> I feel like maybe this is important to bring up. So high fructose corn syrup, right? We, high fructose corn syrup is added into almost every, you know, refined packaged product that's out there available. And consumers have started to catch on that refined processed corn syrup, or I'm sorry, um, high fructose corn syrup is no longer like an okay thing so manufacturers have started getting really clever about the way that they are marketing it uh change by changing the name in the um ingredient label and so high fructose corn syrup how does that how
1: does that affect the liver fructose so fructose especially the processed fructose you know is just a lot more difficult for the liver to ultimately process in really large amounts and so can can definitely put an extra burden on that plus especially when it's made from corn corn is you know one of our most genetically modified foods out there so I don't know if I've ever seen organic high fructose corn syrup on the market. Um, So it's like now you're not only, you know, getting in that high amount of fructose from pretty much an unnatural source, right? Um, But now you're probably exposing yourself to that genetically modified product and probably more pesticides and, you know, all of the processing that it takes in order to get that sugar, you know, from corn, it just, you know, it's like the body just doesn't recognize it as a food
0: anymore right yeah so it gives it really gives the audience a lot to think about in terms of all of the the areas that there is room for improvement by just swapping out a product where it doesn't feel you know it doesn't necessarily feel like you're having to make a lot of effort Maybe you have to spend a little bit more money and budget, like you said, you know, each Christmas, purchase one new piece to add to your collection. Um, But over time, ultimately, these little gestures are going to add up significantly to how we are functioning from an endocrine perspective. Um, and you know how we're aging and how our periods are. I have to be honest with you. I am so fortunate because at 44 years old, my period is beautiful. Like over, I would say probably the last 15 years, um, I don't have the cramping. I don't have the breast tenderness. My cycle is literally every 28 days. It's like beautiful clockwork. I have a high sex drive, like all of the things, right? I'm so fortunate. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I talk to all of my friends, they're like, it's so not relatable, my experience of having a menstrual cycle versus the rest of the world. I'm like, wow, you know, I I forgot how horrible those things are. But I will mention that Like around Christmas time, my family came to visit and so we were going out and eating a lot more. I was having like dairy and um, wheat that I have intolerances to significant allergies, actually. And um, I was drinking alcohol. And so I was taking in a lot of things that were contributing to, uh, you know, slowing down the liver. And then the following month when I had my period, I did recognize like a little breast tenderness um, or a little clotting with my period. And I was like, oh, okay, wow, that's impressive, you know, that just a 30-day cycle. So I always encourage women, you know, by cleaning up your habits, you can start experiencing benefits. Pretty quickly, you can have a pretty quick turnaround.
1: Yeah, and if if you know, sometimes it can take you know up to three cycles, just because that's how long it takes to mature an egg. So, like, if someone doesn't notice anything right away, you know, not giving up. Right. But you know, I also find that sometimes a lot of women have this kind of all or nothing mentality, where it's like either I have to do all the things and change everything now, or it's eh, I'm not. There's you know, point. Right. And it's kind of how you said, like, it's okay to do it step by step. It's okay to change one thing at a time. And that one thing may not be the direct fix and you're not going to like have amazing periods that next month, but the more you can do it and the more you can add stuff up over time, then you're, you know, likely to, to see more benefits. And, you know, I think a lot of women get into that whole frustration. Frustration is probably one of the top words I hear when talking to women, you know, and it's like, but that's why we're here.
2: Right. to help
1: you kind of navigate that stuff. So don't feel like if if you've been trying a lot of this stuff on your own for a while, and yeah, maybe you've made some good headway, but you're still experiencing things, then it's like, yeah, it's time to dig deeper. And that's really where investing and working with someone to help you with that is going to be so valuable because you're going to, you know, get a lot more benefit in a short amount of time versus trying to spend the next five, 10 years searching the internet, trying to figure out how to, you know, fix this stuff. Right. I always say If your car broke down, are you going to take it to mechanic or are you going to go online and try to figure it out yourself, right? But like, this is the human body. This is your body. Like, you can get a new car. You you can fix, you can get a new transmission and put it in. But like, this is your body. You can't, it's very hard to get new parts. (laughs) And, you know, right? You're living in yourself every single day. So I get it. It can be scary and it can sometimes, you know, be a bit of an investment, but this is you, this is your body. You only get one. You know, I always say you only get one life. You can't get time back, you know? So it's like, why keep down that road of frustration?
0: Right. Well, and, you know, speaking to the, the female population specifically, right, like the biggest objective for women is that we want to slow down the aging process. We want to be as youthful and vital as long yeah. as possible. And so, um, you know, when we think about the things that we invest in to reverse the anti-aging process, more often than less, we're actually contributing to it. <laughs> And spending a lot of money in the process of developing, you know, symptoms and consequences from it. So um, I just, I like what you said about, you know, the small pieces and and investing in yourself, because ultimately, if you truly want to slow down the aging process, really focusing on hormone balance and hormone function is the key to that whole piece.
1: Right. And To do that, we got to look at the gut and the liver and the brain, like you said, and like toxins and heavy metals and all of those things. So it's like I always say, it's, you know, it's all connected. We don't want to spot treat certain things. And you're right. Like I get a lot of women who it's like their moms, they want to be here to see their grandkids, you know, and they want to be able to play with their grandkids too, not just be like, you know, in pain in the corner, (laughs) you know, not able to move very much. Um, or they want to be able to go travel with their spouses or their partners when they're retired and, you know, all of those things. And I know it's hard a lot of times for women to kind of picture the future and like what it could be like and, you know, all those things, they're kind of more living in the moment, but you know, gosh, I hear some women, many women say, well, I, oh, I'm just, I'm surviving or I push myself to make it through the day. You know, I go to my kids' soccer practice, but I'm not really there you know, I'm not really present. So, or like my kids want to go out and play and I say, Oh, can we just do something inside? You know? So they're saying no to things or they, you know, they're not like you said, as, as intimate, maybe even with their partners because they just feel like crap. And so all of those things, and it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I just like want women to know that you deserve so much more than just to survive you know,
0: so beautiful. I could not agree with that more. Yeah. You are an absolute, just beautiful soul. I am so (laughs) grateful for you, um, following your intuition and being able to break outside of the mold and embrace the functional diagnostic practice, really support women out there where they need to be supported so that they can start, you know, um, being able to change the trajectory of their life and start living their best life, going from that place of surviving to thriving. So Mm -hmm. thank you for all that you do. I'm so grateful. So tell the
1: audience, where can we find you? What do you got going on? yeah, so um, I spend a lot of my time on Instagram um, so it's the organic dietitian is the Instagram handle and I always say it's dietitian with the T, right Thank not you. T. <laughs> um, but thats That's my website as well. You know, I've got a couple of freebies on there if you sign up and then you'll get weekly emails from me where I, you know, I share a lot more even on email than I do just in the Instagram. Um, And I actually have, you can either work with me and my team one on one, we have a six month online program where we do a lot of deep functional lab testing, but also really supporting you every step of the way so that you can again address all of these different areas of your health. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have my online estrogen dominance course. So it's a completely online self-paced you know, program that will really give you a lot of the foundations that we talked about here today. So, you know, even if someone doesn't know or doesn't feel like, or, you know, maybe just doesn't have an understanding of what estrogen dominance is, it's a really great course for anyone dealing with any sort of hormonal imbalance. Because again, it's the foundations of like the liver and the gut and stress and, you know, the toxins and, you know, going through all of that. So that's, you know, one way that people can work with us as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. You know real quick, i want to I want to just mention um, I think one piece that we forget to kind of talk about when it comes to estrogen and estrogen dominance is that when we are in an estrogen dominant state and we are storing toxins in our adipose tissue and creating more imbalances. Our actual cells become little estrogen factories in themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is a piece that I think um, is really important to understand because as we're trying to clear out, clean up our behaviors, and minimize the amount of estrogen, environmental estrogens that we're taking in. We have to have compassion and grace and patience with ourselves to allow for the systems to start realigning so that we can start burning the fat, removing the toxins, and reducing that natural estrogen production inside the
1: cell. I just want yes. to mention Very that. Very true. Yeah. And, you know, it's like diet in that instance isn't always about just eating less <laughs> and move more because sometimes that causes more stress depending on where you're at. <laughs> absolutely
0: yeah we could talk I mean my gosh we could go on and on um, and geek out on this stuff but unfortunately we just don't have the time yeah yeah thank you so much for being my guest today it was such a pleasure to have you on um keep doing all of the amazing things that you are out there rocking and rolling and educating on and if there's any way that I can personally support you and your journey please do not hesitate to let me know Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.